0: From RunAsRadio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 607, preparing your office for return to work with guest Cynthia Melota. Recorded Friday, June 19th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. We're continuing our pandemic series, uh, talking to Cynthia Melota today. And I wanted to open up the show with a comment off of show 682, which I recorded back on April 1st, April Fool's Day was when we published it, which was the first of this pandemic series. Although at the time I didn't know I was going to end up making a series on pandemic topics. That was information technology in the time of the pandemic. And longtime listener. And I think the person possessing the largest collection of run-as mugs in the world right now, Dave Aykroyd, said, Hi Richard, I hope you and your family are well at this time, and thanks for putting the show out. As with the comment you read, I think a regular show with just you is good, as you've got a wide experience and seem to be an expert in everything somehow. It's not true, but I tell good stories. I think the main thing to take from this pandemic is, like with data backups, business continuity plans must be tested, like with Data Restore's. I'm fortunate to work for a company that was early on planning their work from home strategy with initial plans to have split the workforce in half at home and half in the office, which is a sensible approach to easing people into change. I'm someone who is already pertinent work from home anyway, so I didn't expect to see much change. However, now I join a daily team stand up as a mostly social arena, which my cat has started joining to the extent that morning she had this morning. She hasn't shown up and everyone asked where she was. Yeah, when the cat's more popular than you. Uh, My old dog snores under the desk loud enough that sometimes people hear him. Something, Some things that have increased the number of people joining calls highlight the need to mute mics, especially when they don't know that their mic is live and are having a conversation with someone else. We're all learning to be better in remote calls. Uh, Something I'd like you to follow up on during the pandemic situation is how many people are taking the change to working from home as something to be permanent rather than having to commute to work either way. Uh, also a look at the global environmental impact of this pollution has been had a massive drop can we take this as a positive look at what can be done to reduce climate change and i wouldn't say massive drop certainly commuting pollution meant air quality is improved but uh it uh there's still much more to be done there and uh, but it, you are right that i do see you know and i have the advantage dave of this comment you wrote was two months ago look at how our our communities have been affected that i think there's a higher level of compassion around the world right now and we're demanding that our civilization be better and i'm excited by that dave uh, thank you so much for your comment we're doing the best we can with everything that's going on and i really wanted to read your comment for this particular show because We're going to get into a conversation about going back to the office, which I I think is a, a fascinating topic. And my guest today is Cynthia Minolta, who leads the Where Malcolm's Workplace Strategy and Change Management Practice. She partners with clients to establish their unique objectives, conducting research and formulating actionable recommendations, always mindful of employee experience and business objectives. She has held roles as a consultant and the end user and has presented her research at peer-reviewed conferences, held adjunct faculty positions, and serves on juries and editorial review teams. Uh, welcome, Cynthia. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Richard. It's great to be here.
0: I am. Um, you are outside of my normal area of expertise that you actually focus on. You know, we take office design for granted. It seems like a, a simple thing. And it, I don't think it is, actually. There's a lot to making a good office.
1: You know, it was really easy to get, you know, 85% of America to work from home in about two or three days. <laughs> it's not so easy to get that 85% of America back into the office. And there's lots of folks working on that. Could I riff on on the article, uh, the the comment that you just read?
0: Oh, please. Yes.
1: Because, I mean, there's a couple of things. Like BCP was that thing that we all just did because we had to, because mm-hmm. like the risk people made us go to a webinar and we sort of checked off those boxes. <laughs> and, you know, BCP has a completely different perspective now, but a lot of other things have a different perspective. Now, like air quality, whoever, unless you have that, you know, that one person in the office that, you know, had, you know, some kind of allergies or... Or or some other sensitivities. Mm-hmm. No one really was talking about air quality, and now air quality is the biggest thing when we're talking about returning to the office. Um, or, or like housekeeping. Like housekeeping was something that you only knew was there because they signed the thing on the back of the bathroom door. Now we're now like daytime housekeeping and regular housekeeping and cleaning your desk off every night, um, and it, so the housekeepers can can watch you know clean it every night is a big thing. So there's a lot of Stuff that we have taken for granted in the office—not um, just the physical space, but the operational and procedural stuff—which is really sort of coming to bear as companies try to figure out how to get their employees back, or if they should get their employees back.
0: I, I think that's an interesting aspect of this too. Is like certainly there's folks that are enjoying working from home, but I also talked to plenty of people who are like, "No, nah, I need to get back to the office." You know, if if you have little kids or a limited amount of space, I I had a great uh, message from someone who's like, "I have two roommates." We have a dining room table. I have to take everything apart every day because, you know, dinner. <laughs> he, he's excited to get back into the office.
1: Yes, yeah, so, sure. So, you know, there's been some really great research, you know, predominantly by Nicholas Bloom, who has sort of really shown that people do do well working from home between one and a half and two and a half days a week. But in his circumstances, you know, that work from home was a perfect situation where, you know, you had it planned, you had your VPN all set up, mm-hmm. um, you knew what days it was going to be, your kids were still at school, um, you know, you weren't worrying about getting a hugely um, dangerous infectious disease, you know, so there was a lot, you know, in, in his controlled environment settings, um, you know, you know, there, there was some success for people from working from home and, you know, we're social animals. You know, people want, you know, people want that connectivity mm-hmm. that, you know, no amount of Zoom is going to necessarily get
0: you. Yeah, it's not the same. The, the, uh, the other aspect of this, and I think you're sort of hinting at that, is the confidence that the office is a safe place to go, that, that we're actually going to be able to focus on work rather than our own health.
1: Yeah, well, so we're working – where Malcolm is, um 24 offices around North America, and we're, you know, working with the local, you know, governance for, you know, when, when they're going to allow the offices to reopen. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing from our leaders is, you know, most people do feel that once you're at the office – um, your organization has made it safe for you to be there, whether it's, you know, the physical distancing and the PPE and all that kind of stuff. Many folks in urban areas, it's the commute. That's really going to be the hard thing for them. Yeah. Right? The office might be open, but they can't get there. And so we're really trying to figure out ways to, um you know, to try to mitigate that risk for and our that, employees.
0: And that's because the employees are not comfortable with public transit under the current circumstance. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. day. It, it depends on where you are. Uh, my youngest Moved in with her fiance in February left the house and then of course we're here in okay. Vancouver and then locked down and one of the reasons they picked the apartment they they rented was that it was close to that it was on the train line to her work yeah and but and she has a good fortune to have a car but she's like yeah I haven't gone on the train yet I am uh, when I do need to go in the office she has need to go in the office very much she takes the car she's just not prepared to get on a train right now.
1: Well, you're lucky they didn't move back in with you.
0: Uh, I don't know. I would have been unhappy if that had happened either, but uh, you know, they, they've, they've had to postpone their wedding for obvious reasons. And it's like, wow, you're really going to figure out where your relationship is at, where it's like, welcome to your new apartment. Now you can't leave. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so far so good, but it does, there are these anecdotes of all of these different pieces. How do you get to the office and is the office itself safe? But uh, you know, I, I've seen working conditions where folks are, are are two to a cubicle, like they're back to back. That's not sufficient distance.
1: Right. Well, I think the pendulum sort of has swung, you know, has swung to the farthest in terms of density and capacity that we're going to see again again for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so companies are looking very closely at, you know, what physical distancing are. We like calling it physical distancing instead of social distancing, you well, know, because it's really... You're not really trying to socially distance yourself from one another, but sort of that six foot circle, you, know, I, you yeah. know, every design firm, every organization, you know, in North America has got drawn six circles on their floor plans oh. to try to figure out what kind of capacity they could get folks in in um, putting people in um, conference rooms, uh, you know, to, you know, as, as workstations or add, you know, agile teams, you know, agile mm-hmm. teams are accustomed to, um, you know, sitting you know, toe to toe, and so how do those how do those folks continue to if they are going to be in person? How do those folks continue to work? Yeah. So we are looking at we we are looking at capacities, and um, I I don't think that the open office is going to go away, right? That you know that real estate genie's out of the bottle, right? No one's going to go back and give everyone you know high cubes with a bunch of private offices. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's probably going to be some middle ground that um sort of the pendulum returns to after after whatever the new normal is takes hold.
0: Yeah. But, and of course it's this, I've got to think these rules vary from place to place to some degree. I mean, here in Canada, we are seeing some offices start to reopen, at least in British Columbia, where I am already here in, in we're recording this in mid June. Um, but it very, but, but one day a week or, you know, you're coming in one day a week and they're spacing the you know, different people coming on different days. So they just lower the density dramatically.
1: You're exactly right. And and what we're finding with our clients and even our own employees is that 20% isn't enough, right? And so there's like, you know, six people in the office and no one else on your team, but, you know, the leaders there, but the people you want to work with are still, you know, remote. You're still communicating with them remote. So, you know, we're thinking that at a minimum, 50% is going to, you know, 50% of the population returning to an office is going to make it worth it for you to even go there. Um and you're right, it is jurisdictionally motivated. And so some of our offices are 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 operating at different capacities than mm-hmm. others just because it's being allowed by, by their specific locations.
0: So interesting, the idea that you really want all the team to come in at once, because otherwise you just stay on your, your your remote calling service of choice. Like what's the difference whether you're in the office or not?
1: Exactly. So we're helping our clients think about things like, okay, well, maybe all of the finance team comes in today and, and then the, um, you know, marketing team, you know, finance comes in on Monday, Wednesday and marketing team comes in on Tuesday, Thursday or mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that. What, what that really plays to then is this whole idea of when I come in, I want to be able to sit at my regular desk. Because if the whole finance team is coming in, then of course you're sitting really close to one another. So we're, and many clients are having a hard time even temporarily wrapping their heads around this idea of an unassigned workstation, which in a way is really safer. Because that way you can sit at the desk that makes sense for you from a physical distancing standpoint, right. not because it's your desk. Um, so taking you know, the bobbleheads and the tchotchkes away so the housekeeping folks can clean everything all night, and then you can come in and sit at a desk that's appropriate for where you should be seated for that day based on who else is there. That's a hot, that's a hard one. We're we're getting it's a hard one for our clients.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, it's not like hot desking is a new thing, right? I've had plenty of offices I've dealt with where they had uh, a remote workforce or remote sales force, for example. They'd only came in once in a while, and so it didn't make sense for them to have a dedicated desk. So there was an array of sort of hot desks that they could they could sit into. But that could become the new normal.
1: Um- I think it could become the normal while we're sort of sorting out this COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and again, that gives a company more flexibility. If um, you and I are on the same team and we sit together, how can we possibly come in on the same day, right? If right. our, if our workstations won't allow, you know, physical distancing. So that means one of us has to get a different desk because we both want to be there on Monday and Wednesday because we're on the same team, but we can't sit in the desk that we're in. So it, it provides, Um, the unassigned workstation or the hot desking idea provides a little bit more flexibility for the teams that are navigating and organizing who's going to be coming in when um, the unassigned workstation allows a little bit more flexibility for that. Or the day that hey, your days are Monday and Wednesday, and something's going on, and you got to come, you got to come in on Tuesday, which is not your day. Right. And you know how do you nav- how do you navigate that, right? And we're just trying to not make it quite so prescriptive for our clients, so that's a little, they have a little bit of leeway to really, you know, uh, you know, allow you know the serendipitous stuff in business to happen,
0: right? I, I also get the sense that there's sort of a question of is this all just temporary? So we don't we don't want to do too many changes here like that that actually relaying out the office,
1: yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um, You know, he's. I, I've seen like these crazy numbers from some, you know, furniture vendors, you know, so we'll come in and, and COVIDize your office and put, you know, screens on all these panels and dividers on everything and, mm-hmm. and you know, reconfigure all your stuff. And, you know, it's really the $64,000 question, you know, what's going to be like, you know, six months or a year from now. Yeah. So we're really advising our clients to, you know. Take the common sense approach, where you know what, well, you know what can we do with what well, with the, the parts and pieces we have now, have. and then as there's more evidence and more knowledge, then we can go into looking at you know modifying existing
0: workstations. Well, and try and find a piece of plexiglass right now, anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> about it yeah, yeah about
0: no it. kidding you know there was a few grocery stores in my neighborhood that could not get their plexiglass panels installed and so we're working without them for a while so it's like listen there's just not a lot of plexiglass around right now and, and i have to wonder yeah. if there is an after and I, you know whatever this looks like a year or so from now are we suddenly going to have a dearth of plexiglass being removed everywhere uh, it is a to me a real uh, you know if I had a modular office where we had gone the cubicle side and it's basically a big open space in some ways I feel like I'm in better shape. disassemble that and redesign it with the proper uh, and relay it out with the proper spacing because it does flexible. Yes your seating counts are going to be lower but you probably should be able to reuse most of your own gear
1: um, for sure that's absolutely possible but you know there's 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 lots of wire in that cable trough. <laughs> underneath your desk. Yes. Right. So it's not um necessarily um, you know Inexpensive to do that, but certainly it's a possible a possibility.
0: Well, yeah, not trivial, for sure. Well, and, and you know, as a guy who ran that wire at one point in my career, like, you, you know, presumably I have suspended ceilings and drops and like this stuff can be done, but it's not as trivial as just dragging some furniture around. You really have to think everything exactly. through and figure out how the wire is going to come down out of it.
1: Right. And then you need that new three-way connector and you only used to have two-way connectors, yeah. right? So it's never... <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's never as simple as it seems. You're going to buy some things. At the same time, you know, now you get into this whole question of, does it even make sense? You know, why are we going back to the office? What are you actually getting for that?
1: Yeah. Let's return to that thing you said at the very beginning. You know, so are some companies just going to really have a larger permanent work from home uh, force and we 're definitely seeing that in our clients, mm-hmm. um, you know some of our clients that have call center agents you know they send agents home you know, home, uh, you know agents cannot work from home, they need to be managed right they 're not exempt employees we can't you know we can 't have them working without a supervisor having eyes on them and by gosh you know worked pretty darn good to the you know to the to the tune of hey maybe who maybe you know 50% of those agents are never going to come back yeah no and so um so even in places like knowledge workers, I get it, right? I mean, you know, there's a there's a certain amount of autonomy, but even folks, even folks doing stuff like call center work, uh, has clearly proven that, um, you know, they're up to the task and their productivities and their and, the, and their numbers can work, even when they're working in a remote way. You know, so many times we're just thinking about sort of the real estate value here, right. and you know, in our practice, we like to think about you know the employee experience. You said that at the beginning. You know, people cost ten times more than real estate, sure. and so if we can make it work. Right for whatever for whatever that new normal for people needs to be. Um really the people part's gonna follow. It, it, the real estate part's gonna follow if you yeah. get the people part right.
0: I totally agree. And I'm gonna interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Users are coming back to the office, but your problems are still your problems. Windows is still Windows, your browsers are still your browsers, and users are still your users. How are you going to simplify management of this in the brave new world of on-prem and remote work? Relax. You've got PolicyPack. PolicyPack works with both connected and always on-the-go machines to help you increase security and manageability on your multi-session Windows 10 instances. With PolicyPack, you'll be able to remove local admin rights, yet enable standard users to install software or overcome UAC prompts, proactively block malware and unknownware. Configure and lock down browser and application settings. Dynamically configure file associations, start screen, and taskbar settings for every user. Use your existing group policy or intune to deliver the settings once and have your users get exactly the right settings they need in the office or on the go. Simplify modern desktop management no matter where your users are with Policypack. Learn how thousands of other demands are enhancing their remote work scenarios, Come to policypack.com/remote-work to learn more. That's policypack.com/remote-work. PolicyPack securing your standards. And listeners of this podcast are eligible to win a free copy of the Cybex Wiley book entitled "MDM Fundamentals: Security and the Modern Desktop Using Intune, Autopilot, and Azure to Manage, Deploy, and Secure Windows 10" by Jeremy Moskowitz, Enterprise Mobility MVP. Simply pick Run As Radio in the drop-down when you visit policypack.com slash remote work. Good luck, and we hope you win. And we're back. I'm Richard Campbell. It's Run As Radio, and I'm talking to Cynthia Milota. Did I say that right?
1: Yep, you did. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying I try and get names right. I think it's important to me as well. And, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this. We said, you know, I would not want to be in the commercial real estate business right now. It's got to be a scary time. Not only the office is currently empty, but as we've just discussed in the first half, we don't know how many people are coming back.
1: Right. Um, so people are in the midst of, you know, leases, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, three or five or 10 year leases. And um, they are there is much sublease space already yeah. um, in, in my market in Chicagoland, um, uh, you know, uh, on the books where folks have just said, you know, I have two floors, I need one. Um, we're also seeing some landlords cutting very smart deals as uh, for rent abatement, where a, a tenant might have trouble m- making rent payments. So they'll say, "Hey, well, you know, renew for two or three years, and we'll and we'll extend it for the for the couple months. Where we're giving you some rent relief." No. So there's all kinds of amazing sort of real estate transactions um, going on right now, and I, I, and I think the creativity is going to is going to continue. People, and The office isn't going away. Let's just no. be clear. But, you know, we've heard some kind of amazing things. It used to be, you had a corporate headquarters in the suburbs, and there was a downtown satellite space where, you know, people could drop in and, you know, work there, you know, dedicated to that organization. And how we're starting to see our clients saying, Okay, well, we have a downtown office location where our headquarters is, but can we find some uh, dedicated suburban space right. so our employees don't have to go all the way into the city? So you know, you know, a, a lot of stuff that was sort of taken for granted is being turned on its head.
0: Yeah, and the, and a great solution limiting the commute that way. That now it is reasonable to drive. Parking isn't as expensive, so that they want to bring their car, they can you know, all of those things get a little easier and the property's less expensive. You can expensive. get up
1: the elevator, right? Well, I mean, we're talking with clients now about how many seconds is it going to take, assuming two people can fit in each elevator, right? What's that metric look like? And we're working with elevator consultants to help them figure out how to reprogram. But if you're in an office tower, um, sort of the the notion of uh, split shifts and, and, and uh, staggered start times uh, has as much to do with parking and getting in the building and queuing through the badge uh the badge readers mm-hmm. as it does uh, the physical distancing once you get up to the
0: office yeah I mean, if you're only putting one or two people per elevator like all oh, of that gets harder so certainly so the suburban office space may be in more demand uh just because you can limit the commutes and so forth and, I, and it makes me wonder if we're not going to shrink offices down to mostly just meeting space rather than workspace.
1: Yeah, there's been some really interesting sort of thought experiments about that. So um, really, you know, people basically have three things that they do at worst. You know, they have collaboration, then they have learning, and they have focus work, mm-hmm. right? And so clearly training has gone online. That can happen. You know, collaboration, we've been doing it you know, remotely, virtually, but clearly we know that it's sometimes better in person. So not unlike education, that the notion of that flipped classroom where, you know, the students really do their homework at school where they can get trouble, where they can get help on the stuff they're having trouble with, and they do their real learning, their real focus work at home, I think that's probably applicable to what's happening Potentially in the office too.
0: It's really interesting. Uh, I, I had a a company years ago that was mostly in development and our Developers because they need so much quiet time worked mostly from home And then fridays came in to do their reviews where show off what you've built talk about the next week that kind of thing And so for us the meeting space was the most important thing Uh, and that was also a time that we ate together um which was, it was great for the team, but while the whole food side of the office now is really challenging under these circumstances.
1: Yeah. Right. Twinkies prepackaged may be making a resurgence. So, (laughs) um,
0: never has processed food been more valuable.
1: Well, you know, you know, my, my husband said, well, you know, in the airport lounges, they do put shrink wrap on the apples, you know, it's possible. Yes. Um, Uh, I, yeah, food is, food is going to be a bit, so, you know, I, you know, all of our major, you know, corporate end users that have food services on Mm -hmm. their campus are looking at, if they haven't already, that Amazon grab and go model where, you know, you have it on your, you have, you know, the app on your phone, it's connected to your credit card. You just go and get what you want. And then the turnstiles just check you out. Right. And so I think that, that sort of that RFID technology is where this is really going um, you know, not everyone's there yet. So, you know, the, the folks that are sort of in the transition are looking, you know, the salad bar is gone. You know, frankly, even self-serve coffee is gone in many cases mm-hmm. where they're, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to, the, the barista is going to pour you the regular brew as well as your special stuff. So, um, and, you know, it, um, as you're trying to sort of continue to offer healthy offerings, you know, like no one, like the package salad isn't perhaps quite as great as, as yes. if you've got to build build your own. There's also some things that are going on in terms of plastics. Like no one is no no one is using reusable silverware or glassware or or tableware anymore.
0: Although there were yeah, there was lots of initiatives that way. You are talking about a whole class of initiatives that were happening in these offices to reduce their carbon footprint, their ecological impacts that now in the face of the pandemic you know, become problematic, where it's like, we can't keep this clean enough. I mean, it's almost like plastics made a comeback.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully they're using compostable, you would but, hope. <laughs> but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, you're right. And, and again, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I trust this is, this is a, a temporary, you know, it's um, something temporary mm-hmm. to maintain the best health that you can, but you're right there's um, it's you know we're not eating off glass of china anymore in yes, corporate for sure. cafeterias for a while
0: and I, i've for whatever reason and maybe it's just cuz my mind is strange i love hvac like i think it i think technologically creating good air in spaces and you know being able to keep it in, in in good environments it's a challenge it's an interesting science and when we think in terms of if you thought this was going to go on long enough that you could literally design an office to optimize airflow for safety. I you know that, that maybe we have a sort of positive pressure environment where air is basically flowing upward all the time. And so that uh, other people's droplets just never reach anyone else. They leave the building. I don't know we're ever going to get there, but they, I have weird thoughts.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, and no, and. And it's not weird. You're you're spot on. The issue is those things are huge capital expenses, yes. right, that are integrated into into the base building. You
0: talk about so redesigning you know, a building. There's
1: stuff that folks are doing with, you know, temporary filtration and mm-hmm. improving the filters, um, you know, and for the existing systems and cleaning the systems and increasing the number of air changes per hour. And, you know, there's sort of mitigation steps, you know, that you can take in the interim. And believe me, um, tenants are demanding it and landlords are figuring out how to do sure. it. Sure. Um, for existing, you know, for existing leases now, you know, and I think there's going to be a whole class of buildings, you know, on the boards right now that are going to be built in, you know, in the next few years that really are going to take the whole notion of occupancy sensors and improved filtration, um, to a, you know, you know, UV testing and, the and the duct systems uh, to a whole new level. Right. And this technology already exists. It's not like it's new stuff, right? It's just, It's just the cutting edge, right? It's just the stuff that costs more that the um, public hasn't really, or the, you know, the the, the tenant public, if you will, hasn't really demanded. And I, and I, and I think we're going to start seeing that demand more and more.
0: When I worked in a regular office, which is a disturbingly number long years ago, I had an office manager who throughout the flu season, diligently every morning came in early, did all the doorknobs, all the handsets. Like, that was her thing. And st- her, she was also a spreadsheet kind of person. Like, statistically, her office was healthier, that fewer people got sick in that office because of that diligence. And it's, it's just interesting to think about that becoming normal.
1: Well, can we send her to the link to the nanoseptic door handles? Those are amazing. I've done like,
0: right? I, I a whole section right, on... I, I had this long conversation around healthcare and things and what the hospitals are doing. And the fact that we now make materials that are destructive to anything in a lipid envelope, but uh, to, to most bacteria and so forth, it's astonishing the you know, the amazing products we've made.
1: And you're going to see healthcare, um, style products moving into the workplace more and more, mm-hmm. right? They already were starting to, and now this is, this is really going to give it the jumpstart that they needed in terms of fabrics. And, you know, certainly the mechanical systems, lighting, uh, things that were common in healthcare, I think many of them are going to migrate to the workplace.
0: It's an interesting idea to think, could we just integrate UV lighting into the building lighting? And at night when nobody's there, you flood the space with UVC and, and you know, it's just, it's a normal nightly sterilization process.
1: Well, you're certainly not the first person to suggest that Richard.
0: (laughs) I'm glad. Okay. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm only, you know, we're not that crazy, but yeah, it, in this, I mean, I'm, I I keep thinking this is not just a few months, that this is something we're going to expect from our offices going forward. And, uh, you know, the, and the cat's out of the bag. For a long time, we said we can't scale VPN enough. You can't work from home. Then we had to, and we did. Uh, for a long time, we said we can't secure machines sufficiently with everybody working from home. But then we had to, and we did. Can we make safe offices? Well, we have to now. I guess we're going to.
1: Yeah, and, and, and we are. I mean, as we're, as we're working with our, with our clients, we're like, you know, there's a short, medium, and long-term play here, right? right? So what do you have to do to get folks in there? You know, not optimal. And, you know, it's shifting sand, right? The stuff is still being figured out, right? The CDC issues a new thing every 30 days. Sure. So, any, you know, any webinar you go to where someone says, oh, yeah, we got to figure it out, you know, hire us and we'll, and we'll plan it for you, is, you know, it's malarkey. So, we're, you know, we're working with what makes most sense for what we know today, what the region is, and what the client's culture is. I mean, the sure. culture has so much to do with it, right? We can figure out all the physical stuff, but what do they need? What's their DNA? what's going to be their sweet spot um, and how can they pivot as new information becomes available?
0: I I really, you know, it's interesting to think just about the psychology part of it. Paying to have cleaners in the building during the day so that the staff see surfaces are routinely being wiped down throughout the course of the day. Like that made me happy in my grocery store to see that there were, there were folks whose job it was to keep surfaces clean all the time. I got to think, and you, you can question if that really makes a difference or not, but psychologically, I'm sure it does.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you have to tell them what you're going to tell, what you're going to do. You got to mm-hmm. do it and you tell them what you just did. Yeah. So it's, um, that is definitely, and you know, signage and communications that, we're, that we, we've seen while folks have been home, I think are going to continue. I mean, we're, as we're really talking to, you know, our, some of our clients, the, the, their communications teams, it's like, yeah, I mean, the, that's really, the expectation now, you know, mm-hmm. folks, ex- folks expect to hear from the leadership team at a way more regular cadence than they ever did before about what's going on with the return of the office, what's going on with our business, what we what the organization is going to do to look out for the employees.
0: Yeah, when I look at the places around the world where they're, where the uh populace is having some confidence. It's because there's been leadership at a county level or a city level or a state level that is talking every day. That there's, you know, at three o'clock we tune in to hear from the healthcare professionals about here's the state of affairs. And I don't know that we all have to do every day, but that regular cadence, here's how we're dealing with things and here's how things are getting better. I, I think it's gotta be a part of everyone's plan.
1: Yeah, I love that line. Uh, change at the speed of trust, right? Mm-hmm. When the CEO is broadcasting from a Zoom in their kitchen, right? That's really builds trust. That builds team. You yeah. understand that they're in it with you, and they're and they're working just as hard as you are to make things right and better, and and continue the
0: business. I've I've got to think also, and you know, close to wrapping up here. There are going to be individuals who are really going to struggle with this because of their concerns about illness. Maybe they do have compromised immune systems or maybe it just frightens them that much that they're going to come to the office in a mask, which I don't see a problem with necessarily, or they're going to be doing their own wipes. Is there guidance on the HR side around this? I know this may not be in your expertise, but is it something you you see?
1: Yeah, no, we're talking about that a lot with our Mm -hmm. own offices as well as our clients' offices. So, um, many organizations are going above and beyond the local jurisdiction requirements or the CDC requirements and requiring masks all day, every day in the office, they're providing, um, governance for how to clean throughout the day. Right. Mm -hmm. So you touch the copier, you, you know, there's wipes right there. Right. Um, you know, you use, you know, the bathroom doors are being propped open. So there, so yeah, there, there are folks and, you know, some folks were, Uh, you know, maybe 30 days ago, excited about the prospect of going back to the office. And then as sort of the time got closer, some, many folks pulled back, you know, yeah, sure. Some have, you know, compromised immune situations at home and some of them, just for themselves are concerned about it. Yeah. So there is, um, and again, depending on the state, right, you know, every every state has different guidelines, but masks are a reality. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, in downtown Chicago yesterday, I had my mask on from the minute I got out of my car to the minute I got back into it at the mm. end of the day. So I think you're going to, um, again, I, I think you're going to see that.
0: I, I, I almost wonder if this should be corporate wear now, you know, that they put a logo on it. It's part of, I, I actually... Oh. I went to a restaurant. You
1: relate to that party, right? Yeah, yeah. already happened.
0: <laughs> I, I went to a restaurant for the first time since all of this happened because we we're at that place in Vancouver now, and uh, and then I chose one of the reasons I chose it was that they did have such a coherent plan that was well documented on the outside of the building, and, and so forth and so on. But all the servers in their little black dresses all had matching little black masks on. And and I think it made a statement about the organization. It's like it's not that we expect everyone to be safe. That's not enough. It's that it's also part of our team that we're that we're labeled as such.
1: Yeah, you know, perception is reality. You know, mm-hmm. so we've I've you know talked with clients and and others about well, how much is enough, right? How how much is enough? And you know, the enough is what your cl- what your employees and your customers think is enough. Yes, right. You have to communicate it, and and there's no hard and fast rule for this. And what might be enough in Wisconsin is not enough in California.
0: But I also think Western culture has an element of excess to some degree. So above and beyond is sort of something we look at too, to say we're going to do a we're going to do a little more. We care this much. It's not a bad angle, and I think in this time when we're all looking for a little confidence, probably a good approach.
1: I agree. Mm.
0: Well, I really appreciate you spending the time with me. This is an interesting topic, and I, I, I'll I'll include a link to this uh, the the work design blog post, if you don't mind, just because it it gave me some inspiration for how to think about uh, getting back into the office.
1: Thanks, Richard. It's been great to be your guest. Thanks for having me.
0: And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.